When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey. I like his odds of uh, of replacing somebody on TNT. Judd Zolgad. Just a genuinely awesome guy. Very giving of his time. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Twin season is just a couple days away officially. Two o'clock on Thursday. So what better time than now is to start making some Twins 2018 predictions. Let's go on the record. Uh, we've got, let's do five of them in this segment, and then we can do five more maybe later on in the show here. And tomorrow we're going to get to our Major League Baseball like division winners and Twins win-loss record predictions and things like that. You guys ready for these? Mm-hmm. Let's do this. We spent some time before the show coming up with not just like, Who's going to be the best player, but actually, like the Diamond Awards, having the award named after somebody. Uh, So we'll start off with this one. We'll just go right to the most important award, the Kirby Puckett Team on My Back Award for the Twins player who will be the best overall contributor in 2018. Feel free to elaborate as much as you would like. Explore the space here. All right. Do you want me to start? Sure. Well... Go around the-, the Kirby Puckett Team on My Back Award will go to the person that I firmly believe it needs to go to if the Twins are going to reach the type of success that they're hoping for in 2018, and that would be Byron Buxton. This is no longer a feel-good story of a prospect who struggles and then finds himself and has two good months and shows flashes and, and all the reporters go to him and he says, because he's a nice kid, I talked to Tori last night, and Tori gave me the secret to life, and now I'm a great player. And then two weeks after that goes into a prolonged slump, and we all say, I wonder (laughs) if he should be sent down to Rochester. No, no, this is now about turning a corner. For this team to achieve what they want, Byron Buxton needs to be an all-star, and he needs to be a player who we get to, who the discussion on this show and all shows by late in the season is, when can you lock him up to as long-term a contract as possible? So the team on his back award, in my opinion, needs to, and it could go, to Byron Buxton. That would be wonderful if it did. Not going to say it wouldn't be, but I'm going to go with the guy who's already carried a team on his back for a couple seasons. And it goes beyond just the play on the field. It's a locker room presence, boys. It's veteran leadership. It is the second baseman, Brian Dozier. I think he's the safe choice, and I think he's the most obvious choice for the Kirby Puckett Carry This Team on My Back Award 2018. So we all have different answers for this. Interesting. Because I think it's on the other side of the game here. I think it's on the pitching side. And and all of these players are going to have to perform well if the Twins are going to make the playoffs and win 90-plus games. But Jose Barrios, with Irvin Santana getting older, missing the first month of the season... And let's be honest, like he benefited 
he had benefited from a lot of left on base luck last year and a lot of great defensive play in the outfield. He might take a step back, Irvin Santana. So who steps up and fills that number one starter role? And I don't think Jake Odorizzi has the upside that Jose Barrios does. It's Barrios. He's out there running laps every morning at like 6 in the morning. The guy is a beast when it comes to working out. He's got the mental makeup. He's got the stuff. Now he's got the experience. And I think Jose Barrios wins the Kirby Puckett Team on My Back Award for uh, becoming the Twins' best starting pitcher. Let's go with this one. The New York Yankees Award for the team you'd most like to see the Twins play should they play in October. Dave, you want to start us off with this one? The team I'd most likely like to see them play. I mean, there's a lot of good options. I could pick the Seattle Mariners because I have a feeling they're going to be terrible. But hey, if they were just good enough to get to October, that would be fantastic. I think it might be the Cleveland Indians. If you matched up against your own division rival, the Cleveland Indians, given given the success the Twins had against them last year at times, especially on the road in Cleveland... I think I would fear them much less than any team from the AL East or your Houston Astros out of the West. Uh, the Yankees, I think, are going to be so good that they scare me. So I'm going to pick the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox are a team that uh, certainly has gotten to the playoffs in the last few years. But I always feel like, and this might change, but I, I feel like the pressure gets to them at times. Uh, I, I think your matchup chances against Boston would be decent. So I would say I don't I don't think I want to see Cleveland. I know I don't want to see the Yankees and the Astros are going to be a pain in the ass again. So I'm going to go with the Boston Red Sox who have a very realistic chance to get to the postseason, but I think you could be. Well, if your mindset is just, well, avoid the good teams, then you're not going to go very far because the American League has a lot of good teams. So I say bring it on. I say bring on one of the great lineups in potentially in, in uh, recent baseball history. I'm going to put the Yankees as my... New York Yankees award for gutsy. a team I'm like put it you know, fi- know put an that. end to this two decade long curse. Yeah, I was gonna say suicide. Get revenge gutsy. for all of these devastating losses. Okay. And the Yankees are gonna be on my list there. Um <laughs> go get them. Just like last year. Exactly. We're for nothing. Oh wait, 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 no, four we're not anymore. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wait, that's uh that's Irv, a fourth home run. Irv, there. It was only three nothing. Oh sorry. <laughs> okay, now we're down four three. How about the Siyoshi Nishioka Award for biggest twins position player flop? I'm gonna go. I, I firmly believe that uh that while spring training doesn't give you a lot of insight into player success, I think there's times in football and baseball and all sports where where the preseason gives you insight into guys just things not going right. Eddie Rosario. He's at a bad wing now for um, three weeks. Uh, I I saw uh, Paul was talking a couple days ago about how he's still not throwing right. I don't think he hit that well. He he definitely didn't get at bats because he was hurt. He turned a big corner last year, and I'm curious if that is truly him or not. But I do know this. Missing time and trying to play through pain can be difficult. I think Rosario, I'm not saying he's going to completely fall apart and be terrible, but I think, given given the start that he's gotten off to being hurt, I think this might be a year where he takes a few step ba- steps backwards. I was looking at him as my answer, but I'll choose a different one. And, uh, well, he's already not going to be around for 80 games. 
That'll be the shortstop. Or, hey, Polanco, I think it's easy to say, uh, obviously, a flop for the first 80 when you don't see him, but I could very well see him coming back and just sort of being a guy. And I and I think I'm going to piggyback off what Dave just said. I'm going to go with his replacement, Eduardo Escobar, who hit 20 home runs last year, was was one of the best utility players in baseball. But the year before that, he was mostly unplayable offensively. He was like a 200 hitter and didn't hit for power and was just an automatic out for like three or four months. So uh, I think we're all we all feel pretty comfortable about Polanco missing 80 games because, well, I mean, Eduardo Escobar is is good and he'll just play. I don't know if it's going to go so well. I don't think he's going to have a repeat performance the way he played uh, last year. How about the Vance Worley Award? Animal. Soak it in for the biggest Twins pitcher flop this year. I am going to go with the, uh, the the guy with all the different release points, the sidewinder, Trevor Hildenberger. Wow. 7.27 ERA in spring training. I thought that spring training yeah, performance is 7.36, I should say. Well, here, here, oh, but 7.36. Here's where, here, here's where, gentlemen, there is an issue. We always talk about this, right? You You come into a league and have success. Big league coaches and players then do what? Adjust to you. They look at how how you they can beat you. They look at film. They have nothing else to do lots of times but dissect what the next move is. And then it becomes key for the adjustment to the adjustment to the adjustment. I think Hildenberger might struggle here because I think a lot of his stuff played a year ago because guys didn't know what to make of it. They will know what to make of it this time around. It could be a rude awakening. I'm not going to be surprised if he is in Rochester by late May or early June. Wow, that's hmm. awfully negative. That's wow. a lot of insight right there, by the way. Mixing in some spring training stats that you say are meaningless for the last few weeks, but that's fine. I believe that I'm telling you, though, you need to know what to look at. And oh, the adjustment to the, adju- the adjustment to the adjustment <laughs> is an important thing. And now the question becomes, can he adjust again? And I think he's going to struggle to do so. What was that spring ERA, Judd, you had for 7.36. Well, you know what's not much better? Better than 7.36, 7.15, that being the spring ERA of young Taylor Rogers. I like what you're doing right here. I like what you're I'm doing. I'm going to follow the Judd Zolgad uh, way of going about things here. I, I, I Yeah, I, I don't think he gets that many opportunities, frankly. And uh, when you're a pitcher, you need reps. So... I'm sticking pitching. Well, it is a pitching award, I it guess. It's the Vance Worley Award here. Uh, but he would be my overall roster guy for this one as well. And I'm not going to bring up spring training numbers because I just don't <laughs> I don't know what his ERA is in spring training, and I don't care. I don't want to be tainted by it. I could look it up. Who, who he's on? He's 30 years old, and he has been mostly atrocious for the last two. Kyle Gibson. And everyone's all excited, like, oh, he pitched really well for a few starts down the stretch in August and September, but... Once you're 30 years old and you have a track record of like you know almost a thousand innings in the big leagues, 3.55 in the five in the spring, four games started, one win, two losses, 12 and two thirds innings pitched, seven nine strikeouts, 1.11 yeah, those, is those the whip. 12 inning Thanks, sample Bert. sizes. You bet. Be great. Uh, where's he from? Can you get the Greenfield, Indiana? He was go. drafted in 2009 in the first round by the Twins, 22nd overall out of the uh, University of Missouri. Nice. Thank you, Bert. How many Very wins welcome. above replacement, Bert? Well, that's a no? that's a meaningless <laughs> stupid stat, don't you know that? You shut up. But uh, Kyle Gibson will uh, will not will carry over his successful September. And then the last one for now, our Twins 2018 uh, awards. Here we got more for later. The Carl Pavano Innings Eater Award for the guy who's going to be the 
the Energizer Bunny of the Twins pitching staff. But maybe not like lights out necessarily, but however you want to quantify it. He's going to eat innings, and he'll probably eat a little bit more, too. <laughs> Kenny Lance Lynn. Yep. Yeah. Kenny Lance yeah. Lynn. Gobble him up, Lancer. That's my guy, too. Gobble him up. That's my guy, too. Because he he was a, a year off of Tommy John in 2017, right? Correct, 186 yes. and a fraction. Oh, yeah. Crank and, it up to 220. And he's a guy that knows how, how to pitch fat. So it's going to be no problem. He's going to be durable because he's good at being fat. Can he tell the third baseman how to play fat, too? I don't think it works that way. Mm, dang it. I think if the third baseman became a pitcher, he might be fine. Uh, I agree with you guys. Lance Lynn is going to be the uh, everything eater, and it's going to be amazing for the Twins in uh, 2018. Ryan Murphy is out in Orlando for the NFL owners meetings, and he was there talking to Mike Zimmer this morning. Honest Mike Zimmer, who opened up about Teddy Bridgewater and Kirk Cousins and even the Sharif Floyd stuff. Or Sharif Floyd was critical of, of Mike Zimmer over the weekend. So we'll get Murph's thoughts on Vikings and other things when we come back here. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. Down the field and intercepted again. Throw in this direction. He's picked off. Uh-oh. A third interception thrown in the corner. And this one is also intercepted. You can see it a mile away. He goes down the field and over the head of Paul who had a step. Yeah, that's, a, that's the Kirk Cousins interception montage that Jay Gruden probably has on loop inside of his office. Just validating his comments yeah. from earlier this morning. You like that? You like that? Yeah. Alex Smith won't won't do that to him. Well, what, Alex what, Smith will play it safe. What do you think of those comments? We dove into them a little bit with Matthew Collar, but we only had like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to catch up with Brian Murphy here uh, from the combine or from the, the I combine, think cor- from the, I think co- the owners meeting. I think qu- quarterbacks are like wives. You, you divorce one, and your second wife's going to be great, and then you'll divorce her e- eventually. I think you're always looking at. You're looking at trying to basically get the person that you didn't have last, right? And Kirk Cousins is, I think he's a good quarterback, but he takes chances. Yeah. And and as Collar said, he fumbles, which drives coaches absolutely apoplectic. It drives them crazy. And so now you, you go out and get a quarterback who is, at his heart and soul, a very safe QB. Yeah. So do, do I put a ton of stock in, in those quotes of saying, oh, no, the, the Vikings made a mistake? Absolutely not. Am I surprised by them? No. You know, and, and if you're, if and you're he just might have joined, some points too. Uh, Kirk, uh, Jay Gruden said that the Redskins clearly upgraded their quarterback by acquiring Alex Smith and getting rid of Kirk Cousins. Now, if you're just operating in a one-year vacuum and you ask for 2018 and only 2018, which quarterback would you rather have and who do you think is better? And I think it's Alex Smith. But the fact that Smith is in his mid-30s and he just signed a contract until he's like 38 or 39 years old, and yep. Kirk Cousins is 29, moldable, probably still has some upside. Like, if you thought Alex Smith was a finished product at 29, then you wouldn't be getting the Alex Smith that exists right now. So, like, the, the one thing that frustrates me on the Cousins front is when people think that, oh, he's just like, this is who he is. He's been like this for three years, and he's got some, you know, he's got some uh, interception tendencies, but that's not... if. Alex Smith, if he were just to be judged in his late twenties, all right. What do you think? What you know? He's a backup, right? Or maybe not like a backup, but not. He's an incredibly safe quarterback. And he then continued forward, and now in his mid thirties, he led the NFL in passer rating last year, and he he finally started throwing the ball down the field more often and put up huge numbers. If we can remove this conversation from the top five guys, because it always comes back to them, and we we always want to make those comparisons. But let's go outside them, okay? 
So let, let's accept let's accept that there are tiers of QBs, and the Vikings and and the Redskins have QBs in the next tier, possibly two tiers. The conversation is this: We just saw a season in which Case Keenum, career backup, mediocre at best, before 2017 thrived. Why? Personnel around him, coaching, coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. So the the pro- the problem is we we are so desperate to say, well, this quarterback is going to be Brady because Brady can do things by himself that most people can't do. So so do I think that the Cousins that played in Washington is going to be the same exact QB that plays here? Probably not. You just spent a year where everything offensively was really well done, mm-hmm. and you made a career backup, and, and I truly believe in my heart he he remains more that guy yeah. th- than the Keenum that we saw this year. You made him into a very serviceable to, out at times, not all the time, outstanding quarterback. Now, on the, on the Smith front, he makes less money, so it's appealing in that maybe you know maybe you're able to acquire an extra player because he makes five million dollars or whatever it is less than uh, Kirk Cousins. But then on the other side, you had to give up a starting caliber cornerback to get him. So would you want to lock him in for less money, but also have to give up Trey Wayne's in order to get Alex Smith and the Vikings? I'm sure the Vikings were in on those conversations. They were quarterback desperate. They knew Kansas City was going to make a trade. I'm sure they were on the phone with the Chiefs, right? Like, they had to have been on the phone with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, that makes so, sense. So, like, in a one-year vacuum, I think I'd rather have Alex Smith, but I'm okay with Kirk Cousins over the long haul and see where things go. All right. Down in Orlando, all of the NFL owners are uh, eating caviar together and and uh, cheersing Dom Perignon and talking about how to keep players from protesting and things like that. And the coaches are avoiding questions from reporters like Brian Murphy, although Murph, Mike Zimmer was pretty honest about a bunch of things this morning. What kind of stood out to you? What else is new? Um, yeah. I think, well, I mean, it was really telling. I don't think it's really any surprise, but considering how close Zimmer was to Teddy Bridgewater, but he was basically mourning the free agent departure of Teddy as if it was a, a death in the family. Um, really, and, and he did reveal to, and I asked him directly about this, what kind of uh, reports they were getting while he was practicing. And he did say that as much as Zimmer thought Teddy was moving well and looking okay on the practice field, the postseason medical reports indicated uh, that there were still a lot of limitations and that there was still some recovery to be done. And if you couple that with with Bridgewater's kind of cryptic remarks last week to to New York media when they asked him whether he'd participate in OTAs and he really kind of dodged that, Mm -hmm. I think uh, he's at a, a, a... Kind of a cross crossroads here about where he's at, and the fact that Jets only offered a 500 grand guarantee reveals to me that the Vikings really let let him go because they don't feel like he could play. So, Murph, do we think that that something went wrong again here? Because T- Teddy came off the pop, uh, was pretty quickly instilled as the backup, got into a game, and and I'm not saying he was perfect, but there was a confidence that if Keenum got hurt, he could play. And now it seems like the comments are t- are trending towards he might be done or out for a significant amount of time again. Do we think that's that something went awry here at some point? Asked if there was a specific setback, and Mike said he, he said no. But it just sounds like his recovery from playing or backing up or practice did not respond as well as they hoped it would. But you're right. I mean, he was the backup for the last eight regular season games. But if you remember in the playoffs, yep. 
they turned right back to Sam Bradford. So they obviously knew in January, I think at that point, that this was not this was not trending upward and was trending downward. And it seemed to make the decision uh, to let him go that much as hard as it might have been, a more practical business decision. Uh, Murph, Brian Murphy from the Pioneer Press, TwinCities.com. Do you think Mike Zimmer is all in, sort of in, or hesitant on Kirk Cousins from what you can tell? I think he's all in. I mean, he wasn't all in on Case Keenum. He better be in all in on Kirk Cousins. They just laid out $84 million guaranteed. Um, if he's going to be skeptical about this, I don't know what, what other road they could go on. They just let go three of their quarterbacks, two for injury reasons, and uh, – uh, obviously, Keenum had never really earned the, the total trust and confidence from Zimmer. I think it's, you know, but there's still a sense of he's got to get in the building. He's got to start working with uh, the new offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, and he's still got to get acclimated to his teammates. That's all going to play out starting April 16th when the, the workouts begin, but it's going to be a gradual process. I think you're going to see uh, Zimmer, you know, he, he said he definitely wants to get together with cousins, maybe in his hometown or wherever he's settling down in Minnesota, go out to dinner with him, spend some, some time away from the facility with him to kind of get to know him. He did that last off season with Bradford, said it was productive because um, he hadn't really done that in the past. He'd been sort of so focused on, on his defense. So I think he knows the stakes are pretty high. He needs to have a great relationship because as much as he thought Teddy Bridgewater and he would be attached to the hip for the next five, maybe 10 years, for the next three, it's certainly going to be Cousins. Hey, Murph, I'm not buying. The, the one, one thing that Zim is trying to sell, and I'm not buying, is, is this whole thing of I was trying to, to th- throw you guys off the scent at the Combine by saying that I d- didn't want to sign a quarterback for, to a huge deal because it, it would mean get, being potentially not being able to retain guys defensively. I'm not buying that for one second. I think that was Zim through and through. I think there is a real concern that, oh my gosh, we just signed a guy to a three-year guaranteed contract, and there is an off chance, or a good chance possibly, that some of my defense is going to leave as a result of those moves. I think he's now trying to say, no, 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 that's not true. B.S., yeah, it's true. Wink, wink. We're trying to throw yes. you off the fence. But, yes. uh, and it, was, it was pretty ham-fisted at the Combine, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at least Zimmer was saying a lot more than the general manager, who basically disdained anything anybody had written that ended up being true anyway. Um, I, I don't think, you know, Zimmer, he was, he was honest to the, to the point where, as you said, Judd, he's got an attachment to this, to this defense, and he's thinking 2019, 2020, uh, are we going to be able to afford extensions for Daniel Hunter, Anthony Barr, Eric Hendricks? These are all key components of that defense, and they're all going to be coming up in the next couple of years. We've got $84 million laid out to Kirk Cousins. Rob Brzezinski tends to be a magician, but he can't pull rabbits out of the hat every year. They're going to have to find a way to move some money around in the next couple of years or they're going to end up losing some key parts. Did uh, did Mike Zimmer say anything about Sharif Floyd's Instagram post where he pulled out all of Zimmer's quotes from a couple of years ago, just kind of upset with Sharif not being on the field? Yeah, they were kind of, you know, basically sound, made him sound like a malingerer, and uh, Floyd took uh, offense to that and basically, what, screenshotted him and said that these are, this is defamation. And it should be noted Floyd is in the middle of a grievance process with the Vikings right now to recoup some salary. Zimmer was asked about that, basically said, you know, I, I say a lot of things about the players during the season. Um, I've always had a good relationship with Sharif. Take that for what it's worth. Um, he didn't know, you know, they obviously didn't know when this nerve issue. They didn't know until after the surgery that the nerve issue was present. But, I, you know, it's, a, it's another example of, of Zimmer 
being pretty harsh on an injured player being, quote-unquote, out of sight, out of mind. And it turns out, you know, he ends up having his career, Sharif Floyd, probably cut short because, you know, the surgeon that they sent him to botched the job. Are we uh, going to see potentially more guys used on the D-line in in, uh, 2018 based on his comments today, basically uh, saying that uh, Tom Johnson wore down and that my mistake was the fact that I didn't rotate more guys in throughout the season? Yeah, he basically, and he kind of alluded to that the day after the Philly loss where they kind of got a little bit too predictable. Maybe he got a little bit too stuck in his ways with his pass rush in the last four weeks of the year and certainly the last well, certainly the last five quarters of the preseason when they gave up 55 points to the Saints and then the Eagles. That pass rush was nowhere to be found. Now, you know, Everson Griffin was battling some plantar fasciitis, uh, and, and he mentioned that, that Johnson was worn down. He should have rotated guys in more, but he also said, look, I want my best players out there when the game's on the line. Um, I don't want to have reserves out there to have to make the big plays. But I think he quoted, chalked it up to a lesson learned that he's going to have to find a way to manage those guys much better down the stretch. Yeah. Um, are you, uh, I know you're covering football today and, uh, and this week, but are, what, what's your, what's your temperature on the wild right now as we head down to the last handful of regular season games? I've barely been paying attention to them. What are they still locked into playing Winnipeg at this point? Uh, yes. At this point they are still in third. I mean, I, but, but they they could fall out of it. Any, I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be another nail biter all the way down to the end. And they got three games on the West Coast, too. It's going to be a brutal finish for them, I guess, when the Frozen Four's in town. But I will say this. I'm in a bit of a retro mood because I spent an hour and a half yesterday having lunch with an old friend of ours, Jacques Lemaire. Wow. Uh, I caught up with him in his, at his off-season home, or not off-season, his permanent retirement or partial retirement home <laughs> uh, outside Bradenton. Um, I'll have a column I, uh, or, or an interview session with him in Sunday's paper. It might be online by Friday, but... Really, really good catching up with him, just talking about today's players. He doesn't think the Wild have the horses necessarily to do much in the playoffs. Um, he's working for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Lou Lamorello, kind of as a almost like a special team scout for Coach Mike Babcock. He's still dabbling in it, but he's still setting his own schedule. He's 72 now, just had knee replacement surgery. He's got six <laughs> grandkids he's playing with. I don't think Jacques is going to be in the game much longer. This is sort of a... Uh, kind of a Jacques Lemaire in his hockey winter uh, kind of setting. And, and he was really uh, really good reminiscing about what he thought they left on the table maybe in Minnesota with a couple of teams that made the playoffs, not the 3 team, but the teams afterwards that yep. had won the Northwest Division that they might have been able to accomplish more. So great catching up with him. I'll be writing about that later this week. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, uh, also I know that uh, your if people haven't read it yet, TwinCities.com, you dug deep and told your personal story about the last, well, not just the last six or nine or 12 months, but the last, you know, decade plus. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. We all read it here, and I'm sure a lot of people who listen have read it too, but I don't really have a question for you other than I think it's cool that you're telling your story about depression and more people should be open and less ashamed to talk about men- mental illness, Murph. Well, and, you know, and I've, I've been talking about it guys professionally you guys i kind of opened up to over the last couple of months you know i found yeah. it much more empowering than intimidating i mean i own my story i'm ashamed of nothing uh, look it's it was a very trying fall for me and uh i wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy um but i also have been overwhelmed really really overwhelmed by the the, the love on social media i've gotten over 100 emails from people thanking me for trying to, to kind of put a face on what it's like to go through depression and you know, if it helps somebody go out and seek some help or if it helps somebody open up to somebody close to them about what they're going through and maybe seek some professional help, 
I guess that was the point of it. Um, I kind of just wanted to to really take ownership of what had gone gone what I, what I had gone through. And and to me as a writer, the only way the best way to share that intimately is to write about yourself. And uh, I found it uh, uh, somewhat therapeutic as well. And I'm just I'm really overwhelmed and thankful and, and grateful for the response. Like it it is amazing that we can talk about cancer. We can talk about like physical injuries, but for whatever reason, it's just harder to talk about anxiety, depression, and things that are maybe harder to quantify and harder to cure. Well, and it's just harder to describe. You're lost in your own head, and people just can't see that. They can see cancer. They can see the ravages it has on your body. They can see disease, uh, physical disease. But mental illness, nobody can really see. And, And for somebody that suffered through depression like I have, you try to put a mask on and isolate yourself anyway. So even if you're outwardly depressed you're working so hard not to look depressed it's almost impossible for somebody to really know and what do you really do you know you say look i feel miserable today help you know talk to me about that i mean people are going to kind of shrivel away from that so hopefully it pierced a little bit of the stigma for that and i'm glad i could help right on well good to have you back uh not that you really ever officially left us you've always been part of our our uh show and our family here but Good to have you back, back, and we'll catch up soon, Murph. Thanks, Murph. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Phil. All, All right, right. Brian care. Murphy, TwinCities.com and the Pioneer Press. We have breaking catch rule news. Breaking NFL oh, did catch they, rule news. They passed the rule, huh? They passed a rule, finally. Thank God. Maybe the, they're not changing a thing. Got the tease killer over here. Yeah, I'll tell you what they did with the catch rule when we come back. You no longer have to catch the ball at all. No. <laughs> I can just skip off the, the ball. Just, the ball will just float <laughs> in the air like a greyhound race. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Chris Lindahl for a second here. The Chris Lindahl team is the number one REMAX results team in America. And I have personal experience working with Chris and his team of experts uh, marketers and stagers. In fact, take it from me, you can make tens of thousands of dollars more on the sale of your home just by working with the Chris Lindahl team. And here's some more incentive. The seven-day or walk-away-for-free guarantee. If the Chris Lindahl team can't sell your house in seven days, you can cancel and pay nothing. Just go to chrislindahl.com, that's Chris with a K, and sign up for the seven-day or walk-away-for-free guarantee. Uh, also, you know, it's it's funny because, like, people think here, – here's something. If homeowners won't sell oftentimes because, you know, if they can't find a house to buy, then they, they the timing gets difficult. Inventories at historic lows. Well, the Chris Lindahl team has solved that issue by identifying homeowners who are ready to sell using their own artificial intelligence. You can find out more about that at chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K as well. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. Bottom line is these two guys really like each other. Mackey and Judd. They formed a special brotherhood. They've said, you know what, we can do this better together than apart. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, we have breaking catch news. Breaking catch rule news in the NFL. The NFL's convoluted catch rule that just kept, they kept like adding lines to it and definitions. And mm-hmm. uh, then, then they added a surviving few the ago, ground. Surviving the ground. Surviving the ground. Yeah, like it's just uh, so they've they've tried to simplify it now, and as of today, as of like a half hour ago, new catch rule passes unanimously. I'm reading this from ProFootballTalk.com. The much derided catch rule was unanimously changed today with all 32 teams voting for the rule that has been hammered out by the competition committee with input from players, coaches, and officials, but but not media and fans. 
Um, although they're getting they're getting the vibe from fans that we want those to be catches. The new rule says that a ball is caught when the player has control, two feet or another body part down, yep. and makes a football move. We're back to football move here being the key component. Okay. Such as a third step or reaching the ball toward the line to gain. Does Bryant. Or the ball has long enough to make such a move. Or 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 I'm sorry, or has the ball long enough to make such a move. Mm-hmm. Uh, under the new rule, controversial incompletions like the Des Bryant play against the Packers and the Jesse James play against the Patriots would have been complete passes rather than incompletions. They were ruled under the old rule. Uh, there will still be some controversial rulings on close calls, but the NFL thinks the new rule will result in fewer controversies than the old rule. So is the Thielen-Carolina play a catch then? No, it would not be. Because right? he, bought- he hit the ground. Well... That's a th- I guess we'd have to look back at that. Did he? We have- still don't know. Well, on that one, we don't know. We I got to look well, at it. We got to look at it. The only two that come to mind that that are now that are now certainly catches are what started this all, which is the Calvin Johnson catch in Chicago in Week One, like five years ago. That's a catch for sure because he put the ball. He basically used the ball to brace himself to get up. Yeah. And then the Des Bryant catch. So here's the difference. That clears that up. Basically, like the thing that makes it a catch used to be surviving the ground. If you're if you're going yeah, to the ground, yes. it's the question is on plays where you go to the ground. Like it's obvious if you catch a pass standing upright and uh, you have the ball long enough to make a move of some kind, then it's that's right, always been right. the same. Yeah. So on plays where you might be going to the ground, the difference between now and 30 minutes ago, you had to hit the ground and maintain possession of the ball. In this case, if somewhere in between there, if you make a move while you're going to the ground, reach out, take a step, twist football move of some kind, it's a catch. Mm-hmm. Now, Adam Thielen, if I remember right, was going up. Did he take a step, like an extra step? That's the question. If you're just going up in the air like Chris Carter and you're towing the sideline and you catch the ball and you fall to the ground and it pops loose, it would still be an incompletion because you didn't make a football move anywhere in there. You didn't have you didn't have control long enough and you didn't make a football move anywhere in there. There's going to be confusion still. Well, it's yeah. actually putting more subjectivity. Review, and they're going to have to look, look at these more and more. Yes, it's putting more subjectivity back in the hands of the officials. So the football move is back, which is basically what we talked about a month ago, which is I suggested the term be secondary move, but it, it's the same thing. So, all right, well, I if they apply this rule, here's the thing to me. If they apply this rule like they did in the Super Bowl on the the Philadelphia touchdown, which in I believe in the NFC Championship game would not have been a catch, and in the Super Bowl it was, then they're going to be fine. Because that was sort of a, you're juggling it a little bit, but you have the football. It's a touchdown. Mm -hmm. So if they apply this rule in the way that they did in the Super Bowl here, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I'm trying to think of examples now to to poke holes in this to see. Because you can poke... Obviously, the old rule, people hated it because you wanted those plays like Des Bryant. You wanted like read, most people wanted that to be a catch, but under the new rule, it's not as cut and dry. Once more, please. This is just a summation by yeah. Pro Football yeah. Talk. Under the new rule, the ball is caught when a player has control. So, like ball in hand, obviously, or like possessing in your in your hand, clutching the ball, two feet or another body part down. So you've established you're you're holding the ball and then like two feet down to make sure that you go to that part of the rule. And then 
makes a football move such as a third step or reaching the ball toward the line to gain or has the ball long enough to make such a move or, I guess, if you don't do any of those things, then surviving the ground would still exist, right? I don't know if they still have that in the rule book, but if you are if you are at a 45-degree angle on the sidelines and you catch a ball and you just fall to the ground like a tree and the ball pops loose, yep. I don't think that's a catch because you didn't do anything... You didn't make a secondary move of any kind, right? Like you hit the ground and the ball popped loose. So then in that case, surviving the ground still matters because you did nothing. You did no, you made no football move to prove that you had control of the ball and make it a catch. Does I that make sense? Unless falling to the ground like a tree is a football move, <laughs> which it could yeah. be construed as one. I, <laughs> Brett Favre and Michael Strahan. Now, if you were to oh. twist, like if you were to twist while you're yeah. falling to the ground, that might be a football move. It's also a dancing move, though. Could be. Chubby checker. Yeah. So I think the Thielen that looks very like <laughs> no. I'm trying like, to think through this. You got both hands on the table, I'm to think staring at this. the. <laughs> so I think that I think the Thielen ca- I think the Thielen non touchdown would be a touchdown though, because what what they need. Well, to what get, happened on the play? Describe the, the play looked, as it is in your head. Okay, he he caught the ball in the corner of the end zone, as I recall. He had it, and as he was going to the Two ground, feet down. yes, and as he was going to the ground, it moved. It shifted on him. No catch. See, I think that that should be a catch. Why? Now, if he drops the he ball, didn't make complete, a secondary move. now if he drops the ball, if he loses the ball and it goes out of his possession, which I don't think it did, I might be wrong here, but I think if the ball shifts ever so slightly and you still have it though, that should be a catch. It is, but that that, that was it, the Philadelphia touchdown. The ball shifted, but he still had it, and I think those should be catches. Oh, I, we're talking about two different catches. The other Thielen play was the one where it popped in the air. It was like a road game late in the season, and the ball like kind of popped in the air, and then he and he brought it back to his chest. Corner of the end zone. Okay, so you're that talking about the Carolina game. Might have been the Carolina. That, that might be the same yeah. one. My point being, I believe if the ball shifts on you, but you still maintain the ball, that that should be a catch. And they they were going as far as saying because the ball shifted in your possession that you that you didn't have complete control. So that's a question. Here here's so here's one to poke I a mean, hole in. It's confusing, but if you were to catch a ball as you're going to the ground. Because all of this is about going to the ground, and can we put a divider in there somewhere to where you're going to the ground, and like, but you do something else while you're going to the ground and make it a catch. You catch the ball, and you're going to the ground, but you don't make a secondary move, and you fall out of bounds in the end zone, and the ball kind of jostles loose. And again, you haven't made a secondary move. You're catching the ball as you go to the ground. If the ball jostles loose and pops in the air, I don't think they've clarified that part of it. Okay. At least not in this story they haven't. Here's the Thielen catch. Matt Cheetah just tweeted it to us. He has the ball in the back corner of the end zone. He's going to the ground. It shifts. That's see. We need some Joe Buck play by play here. Okay. He catches That's the despicable. He catches the ball in the corner of the end zone. He has possession. As he's going to the ground, the ball shifts, but he maintains possession out of bounds. Yeah, it's the Carolina play. Right. But they but they are but they said that he didn't have complete possession. I disagree. I think that's possession enough to be a touchdown. So this is this wouldn't so he doesn't lose the ball. The reason why this would not be a touchdown. So he's he's jumping in the air, he's falling to the ground, catches the ball, knee elbow, now he's out of bounds and the ball jostles loose. Yes. They're making you complete that process still because you didn't make a secondary move. You're still going to the ground. And I believe... And because you lost possession out of bounds and regained it out of bounds, I still think that would be no catch. 
but he has the ball. But is as this he, super confusing but, for listeners but, who are yes. but, but as he but as he <laughs> gets, yes, it is. but as he catches the ball in the back corner of the end zone while inbounds, he has complete possession. The loss of possession, if anything happens out of bounds, which to me should negate the no touchdown and make it a touchdown. I I, I love that right there. The last ten seconds is where I finally faded out. Like I finally I'll just faded out. Clean this up for the entire <laughs> I, I, league. I again. think we just need to do what I believe is Judd's quoted in a promo is saying. Treat a catch like porn. You know it when you see it. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It'd be nice to see these two come together and uh, try to work something out here. Mackey and Judd. I mean, all we're getting is yelling from both, and it's the yelling and shouting doesn't accomplish anything. On 1500 ESPN. Minnesota United returns home Saturday, TCF Bank Stadium. They'll be hosting Atlanta. You can tune in at 6.30 for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt. Kickoff following immediately at 7 o'clock. Catch all the action all season long right here on 1500 ESPN. (laughs) Okay, so the XFL, and now there's another league. There's like two other leagues, too, that are going to start before the XFL. There's one that starts this year, and then there's another one that Charlie Ebersol's, or Dick Ebersol's kid, Charlie, Charlie, who did the documentary on the XFL with Vince McMahon. Uh He's going to undercut Vince McMahon and do a league of his own. It's It's all confusing. And, and I think the XFL and this Ebersaw League have both said, we're going to simplify the rules. It's all way too confusing. And the NFL is trying to do that with this catch rule now that they just passed unanimously today. If one of these new leagues just came out and said, screw it, whatever the refs think is a catch is a catch. 100% subjectivity. How would that play out? Um, in, so that everyone knows, like, in a different league, this guy's going to make a decision. The National Football League. Which which league? In any league that's popular. Right? I am all in. Okay. If an if on umpire with his strike zone, same thing. If a new league came along, I think people would be like, okay, cool. If the NFL tried to do it, I think people would have a complete hissy fit. Because actually, to what Dave just said, the most like the heartbeat of baseball is is the pitch, right? Balls and strikes. That's where everything stems from. Balls and strikes. And and they would be able to if they wanted. They they could make that as. 100% objective as they wanted to. You could put a laser box in there. It'd be really easy. There's enough technology to do that. And baseball decides that, hey, we're going to make this really important thing somewhat subjective to where it's just the umpire's discretion or opinion within, you know, like you're not going to call a pitch that bounces a strike, just like you wouldn't you wouldn't call a ground ball to a wide receiver a catch or a ball that pops in the air and bounces out. But if you treated football like Baseball treats umping behind the plate and said, you know what, bleep it. This is all just too confusing for fans. Full power to the referees. You get to decide if it's a catch or not. It's every sport. I mean, hockey, one referee's slash is another. Eh, I don't think you really got him that hard. We'll let that slide. Charging, I don't know, look yeah, like a block to me. Hockey, yeah, that's that's true. I think if you if you put in a rule that, that the officials, that, that you are going to essentially abolish replay in the National Football League and go crew by crew on a catch, I think, People would go crazy though, because you can define it. People not... already go crazy though now. There's, there's well, right, debate right. every time. But what I'm saying is, I think I think the problem is they got it, it became because the rule was actually pretty clear, but it just became too damn confusing. Well, and, and at least I think this helps to. I'm not saying that this makes it perfect. I think this takes a step in the right direction of clearing it up a little bit. See, and I don't think the old rule was confusing. I think it was very cut and dry. I it just, was. I just disagreed. But where it got they put... too. It got too creative. And I don't think it did. Like I think, I think the old rule was very clear. Like I, I, unless you were just five beers in and not paying attention or didn't know the rule, 
you must go to the ground and survive the ground, meaning the ball can't pop loose. What I think the, the contention was, right, but... We want those three catches to still be catches, even right. though they didn't survive but, the ground in the way that you've defined it. But the rule being clear in, in the case of Des Bryant was should have been rewritten immediately. He survived the ground. He was reaching out with the ball as a complete secondary act that had nothing to do with the fact that he hadn't caught the ball. He was trying to reach out. Yeah, no, we know. Like, yeah. But but the point was you could have that when that game came to an end. You could have rewritten the rule right there to make that crystal clear that that's a catch. It took them a couple of years. Yes, they got that there. was unnecessary. But if if instead of instead of them going to the definition of survive the ground for Des Bryant, if the referee standing right next to the end zone, which I think this is what happened initially, like the, it was ruled a touchdown, I think initially, if a referee with full power, like an umpire or like a referee in basketball, what do you think? Do you think that's a? Do you think that was a, a foul? Do you think that was a strike? Do you think that was a catch? Don't you think they would have said, yeah, that's 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 a catch for sure. Like he caught it. He kind of came down and then reached. If it was full subjectivity, that that would have been a catch, just like everyone wanted, right? Yes. Well, you know what? I think. I'm not sure. With, with these crews, I'm not sure. I think it would have been if the crew had had common sense. But we've certainly seen officials don't have common but sense. The NFL is so scared to give power to its referees to just, you know what, whatever you think. Make a decision. I now think they do a it. Reason for that. Pass interference. They do it. Holding yeah. a little bit. They do it. Yeah, exactly. But if you if you trained fans in media, listen, no. these guys are just going to be able to make their own educated decision based on loose parameters. I don't want to be trained. All right, get the call <laughs> right. Just scared. I don't want to get the. I don't blame them. With 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 officials who screw up as much as as they do, I don't want to give them that freedom. Well, they'd screw up less if they could just make their own decision. What do you think? Your accusation is always that the rule book's too big. There's too it much is. in their heads. There's too many rules it defining what, the rule, they, what a strip catch is. Strip the rule book down, but I don't want you to have more power. I want you to have less to look for. Okay, but Judd, <laughs> if you strip the rule book down, then you're giving more power to the people who are watching the game and making those decisions. How so? The more the more that the game is clouded with rules, yeah. the less the less no, nuance I'm making it, they have no, in their no, decision no. making. If they're dummies, I'm making their life simpler. <laughs> I want to make their <laughs> well, life. They're, sim- not, they're not. I dummies. want to make their life simpler by not having the issue is, and this is the place right now where this happens every year. The bleeping competition committee spends the whole day going over rules, and then they go get drunk, and then they reconvene tomorrow, and they talk about all these, and they're looking at at slow-mo replays. And then they're like, why don't we do this? Why don't we make this? I don't want that. But what I do want is when you do have rules, make them clear. The catch rule is important. Make it make it as easy as possible it was, though. to apply. It was. It was, and they changed it to make it more no, because of that, no, 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 but, and but, you're, but you're wrong because the Des Bryant ruling was a stupid. They they went way too far there. But your but your argument is that the rule wasn't clear. The rule was clear. Des Bryant and by right. the rule, the, the Des Bryant play was not a but, catch. But what I'm saying is, I could have rewritten that rule a half hour after that game and cl- and cleared it up. And to your point, you're right. It took them like three years to do so. They they rectified the Des Bryant play today. 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 Yes. That's ridiculous.